You know what? Give me no choice. Call in the cops. Is this where I'm supposed to start quaking in my boots? I'm serious. And it's a very impressive look. I especially like the way your nostrils flare. Oh, okay. Well, this is your last chance. Oh, for the love of all that's unholy. Call them already. What are they going to charge me with? Awesome customer service. I suspect it would be willful obstruction of the highway. Boom, you see, you could go to prison. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Why do I feel like I'm in a German nightclub? Little box cardboard box. Big box, little box cardboard box. Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the Talk of the Street, another official Coronation Street Catch-Up podcast that thinks Aggie has spent so long living in people's phones over the last few weeks she's going to end up being confused for Siri or the physical embodiment of the new U2 album, I'm Gavin. And I officially have 5G. You have 5G? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You have Bill Gates inside? We'll we'll never... (laughs) There's a sentence I shan't finish. Our Wi-Fi will never go out again, thanks to my arm. Better not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have finally had jab one of two. I am now officially of the house Moderna. (laughs) Very good. Very good, yeah. Now we just need to focus on getting you signed up. Yeah, I'm sure I'd signed up. It looks like I haven't. Or if I have, I've missed the email. Mm -hmm. Is that an email? Or a phone call. Email. Yes. And you never check your email. And rarely. Yeah. And amongst all those groupons, <laughs> there's usually a little nugget reminding me to do my taxis, and which <laughs> reminds me I need to do the, the finish off the taxis. Hmm. But yeah. So how was it? Because we're just not mentioning that theme tune anymore, are we? <laughs> we're just not mentioning that. <laughs> I was busy on Garage Band this week. Yeah. Stick around to see if we have a new outro. Yeah, yeah, you are. Still still no uh, vocab of the episode, new jingle for common language. But I found the old jingle. <laughs> Did you finally mm. find it? Where was it? In one of the old episodes. I could just rip it out of that. So we're good. Don't try and make me feel guilty for being creative. <laughs> just not creative on the things that I want you to be creative on. I was creative and then I lost that creativity and I found it again. So we're all good. It's a zero-sum game, <laughs> whatever that means. So how are you after your job? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. My my arm, my arm is sore, mostly because I tried to sleep on that arm and it didn't work out for me. But yeah, it was good, you know. Uh, went to the mall. <laughs> it's in, Quite you know, ever. it's in a, you know, a big... I know what a mall is. Yeah, it it's in one of the... Um, failed stores in the mall. Oh, DSW warehouse or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I, I when I or JC Penny. No, JC Penny's still alive. So still there? Yeah, but it's in between uh, JC Penny and Dunham's. In the mall, is is Dunham's, the empty- That's where you can get the Pink Panther stuff, isn't it? That's where you got Stelly's. Dunham. Uh, Dunham. No, but that's where you got Stelly's pink um, soccer boots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dunham's. For all your sporting goods needs <laughs> in pink. mid-Michigan. Um, 
you know, and they have all these chairs lined up and you go in and you, you give your name and they cross your name off and then you sit in a folding chair and then the nurse just kind of, she's got a rolly cart. She's sitting in a ro- uh, at a, a rolly cart and she just rolls down the I don't row. know what a rolly cart is. It's a cart with wheels on it. Oh, just a cart then. Why is it a rolly cart? Because it, cause it rolls on, on both, all four wheels. All Anyway, and it's got like different <laughs> trays on it and it's got a seat attached to it. So she just rolls down the aisle jabbing people. <laughs> Whether they want it or not. <laughs> well, if they're there, they want it. So, yeah, I got a little Daffy Duck Band-Aid and everything. Oh. So, yeah. Um, the woman who signed me in, I was wearing my Gail mask. She knew who Gail was. That's, I find that incredible. Almost impossible to believe. Multiple compliments on the mask. But only one person knew exactly who it was. I wonder what those other people are mistaking Gail for. I think they just like it because it's a fun print of, you know, a happy woman's face. It was either that or I was going to wear my Bernie Sanders mask. But I wore my Elizabeth Warren t-shirt, so I figured I had my my politics covered. (laughs) The nurse who did my jab, she really liked the um, t-shirt. She asked me where I got it so she could get one for her daughter, who's apparently a raging feminist. So Raging. A, a raging a, feminist. It's the best kind, isn't it? The ones that rage. Yeah, and one of my Facebook friends was there, a guy who voted for me and had my sign in his yard, who lives in the greenhouse on 99. The old guy with long white beard who looks like Gandalf. And I'm like, I'm, it's funny because I was like texting him on Facebook Messenger. I was like, tell me to fuck off if I'm if I'm being really intrusive, but are you... Always a good way to Omar text message or an email. <laughs> tell me to fuck off. But but are you getting your vaccine today? <laughs> then I watched him check his phone and reply back to me. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> ah, it was good. It was fun. And, well, then, and then one of my coworkers... You, who's no. It, it, he he stopped by and he, he talked to me and he's like, oh, look, there's Helen Broom. We voted for her. We had her sign in our yard and stuff. Nice to meet you in, in person. Oh, you hadn't met him before? In person, no. Well, how did you know what he looked like? This is starting to sound very creepy. Because we're Facebook friends. Oh, okay. So I've seen pictures of him. Okay. And we have multiple friends in common. So. And then one of my coworkers who, well, former coworkers was there like shortly thereafter me she was posting pictures so i was like oh my goodness we, we just missed one another so if you are looking for all your friends at eaton county <laughs> you'll find them at the vaccination station at the lansing mall have you seen the new south park no what's about vaccination that's kind of funny mm. they've got it set up at the walgreens mm-hmm. but it's like it's a nightclub <laughs> so you've got all the people that are in town trying to get into Walgreens right? and there's a bouncer on the door saying you're not on the list you're, you're not, not on the list. list and then this car comes up with an old lady oh and you go ma'am that's anxious honey and she's flipping everybody off on you the way in you have seen it you have seen it no I've seen South Park before so I know right, how okay. this works <laughs> yeah pretty much this is pretty funny so so yeah I feel like I'm a, a step in the direction for normalcy. At least one of my parents is fully vaccinated. I'm not really sure about the other one. My sister's vaccinated. 
my ex-husband is vaccinated. So just need you and the kids and, and then we can go on to be normal people again. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? That's, uh, that's a lot of heavy lifting that this vaccine's <laughs> doing then to make us all normal people again. <laughs> yes, this implies that we were normal to begin with. Right. I'm writing a check that I don't think this <laughs> vaccination can necessarily cash, but never mind. We'll still enjoy the 5G. Right. How are you? I'm good. I haven't had a beer in six months. I know. Or anything. Or anything. Alcohol, alcoholic even in six a, months. You, you don't even drink non-alcoholic beer anymore. I used to like the um, and then you just kind of Heineken Zero. Off. And it's like, well, it's expensive. It's pointless. It and it's largely pointless. Although it tasted quite nice, but mm-hmm. I just got into my uh, ginger beer instead. And it still has the word beer in it, so <laughs> right. your, your brain kind of probably is pretending mm-hmm. to, to some aspect. And if yeah. I drink enough of them, I kind of psychosomatically turn into an asshole. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Turn that's, into one. that's what does it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that ginger beer. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't drunk in six, seven months either. Yeah, it's quite nice waking up without a hangover. Hmm. I wasn't waking up with a hangover even before that, but... Well, you know what I mean. You sort of wake up with a kind of, oh, the (laughs) lurgy kind of thing. Yeah, now now all of that, all that I wake up with is just my body (laughs) aging. Right, and age. (laughs) Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that (laughs) non-alcoholic... Corey News. Our Ken, Corey Patriarch, Bill Roach, has tested positive for COVID. Oh no. He appears to be recovering well and has not been hospitalized. So we wish him all the best and, and a speedy recovery. Apparently some of the paparazzo have, have, have managed to snap photos of him this week so he's at least peeking his head out the window somewhere (laughs) (laughs) so it seems like he's recovered he's one of those octogenarians who uh who recover well from it Mm -hmm. as opposed to others you called a few weeks ago though uh, with regards to maureen Lippman and Mm -hmm. even just being sensible and saying I ain't doing this. No. <laughs> I'm taking a little break because it's too dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And then Ken, oh well, one can't imagine how he contracts it, but you know, the, the more you go out and the yeah. more you're around people, the, the higher right. the risk, I guess. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, best wishes to Bill Roach. Yeah. Get well soon, because I'm sure he... <laughs> I'm sure he listens. I'm sure he listens. Yeah. Although he's probably turned off after that German techno at the start. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's really it, because like, it just takes one person to be near another person. Yep, kind of how it works. Yeah, like my my Girl Scout co leader, she and her whole family have it or had it, and you know she thinks she got it from her physical therapist, but she uh, her kids could also have gotten it at school and brought it home and stuff i'm just happy that stelly and i p- tested negative mm-hmm. after we found out but and we kylan next door had it but the rest of the family didn't which is weird that's weird yeah that suggests that he lives in a little <coughs> little dungeon that they've got built for him or something 
I, I guess he was he was uh, it was he got it at his grandmother's house. He was at his grandmother's because you know oh. he and Gavin have different grandmothers. We Gavin, mm. we Gavin, and Big Gavin. <laughs> Call back to a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Jack P. Shepard, our David, has revealed this week that he is battling an eating disorder. We wish him all the best and fuck the trolls. Wow. Yeah, supposedly people were being real assholes on the social meds, talking about how skinny he looks, and then he needs to go and eat a good meal. And he responded with, fuck off, I have an eating disorder, essentially. He huh. hasn't really talked any further about it, but, no, you know. It's fine, it's nobody's business. Yeah, it's nobody's business, and it's gutsy for him to say anything, because you don't really hear about men with eating disorders and, and thinking about men having body dysmorphia and stuff. Oddly enough... It's been a big week in, in Emmerdale. Uh-huh. Um, it was their little flash forward episodes this week, which was done really well. But the guy that's in that, that's playing Paul in Emmerdale, uh-huh. who's just been written out and, and died this week, uh-huh. he revealed that he has um, body dysmorphia as well. So uh-huh. you're right; it doesn't it doesn't seem to happen, or you don't hear about it very much. But then, and then when it does, when you do hear about it, it's kind of surprising and mm-hmm. almost shocking yeah which is weird yeah yeah it shouldn't be. it shouldn't be so, fuck the trolls fuck the trolls finally last week we spoke about the tribute to be aired for johnny briggs yep it was very good yes overall it was well received except by briggs's friend and co-star charlie lawson who called it very disappointing and half-assed as it didn't mention briggs movie career Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to officially announce Charlie Lawson is my father. What's <laughs> Corey Wow. That's totally something my dad would do. Corey News took a fucking turn. <laughs> Charlie Lawson wishes he was my dad. That is totally something your dad would say. Look okay. at something good and manage to find some flaw in it. Right. It didn't mention, you know, it did focus on is work with Coronation Street because that's kind of what the show was about. Right, was yeah. It, it the legend that, it that was, was Mike Baldwin played by Johnny Briggs. Right. Here's a, a show about that. Let's speak about... It's a 30-minute documentary documentary in scare quotes right. on ITV. What did he expect? Right. It's not like a Netflix miniseries or, right. or whatever. It's not going to go into all the detail but the thing that most people would care about that were watching it was Coronation reliving Street. those Coronation Street memories yeah. and in that respect it, it did the job and it was right. nice hearing people talk about them and yeah. nice seeing the clips again. Grief is funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. That, so that's kind of don't be too hard on on Charlie Lawson for having a differing opinion. Right. And for people lashing out that way. Different ways. And you yeah. don't know what context it was taken right. in and stuff. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Our mailbag. Just quickly, Tina on Twitter wrote in to say I call Tina the podcast. On if you need some encouragement, I'd definitely listen to a podcast of that other ITV soap that you watch. Thanks, Tina. Not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. I really, I'd kind of like to, but I just don't know where the, the time would come. Hmm. Now this. That's it? That's all that was in our mailbag? Yep. Really? If you say so. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, it was the usual 
Twitter correspondence back and forth and stuff. Uh. It was actually quite good fun this week for the Empty Cup Awards. Right, yeah. Georgia anyway. got in on it, which was great. And Charlie. That's hilarious. Unfortunately, they lost. <laughs> Just enough time to quickly talk about Romanian steam locomotives. Also, it was another Alina, Alina thing. Alina and uh, Roy talking about trains. Correct. This was Roy boring Alina with some train <laughs> banter. I was Gavin and you were fashioning face masks. Did you ever do that? You said you were going to. Going to what? Fashion a face mask. Well, I was like, You're yeah. looking for knicker elastic or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never made my own except for, you know, using hair ties and a and a scarf. But I quickly just said, F that and started buying them once they became readily available. <laughs> In the beginning, though, it's funny because uh, last year on this day, I was wearing my um, Liverpool scarf as a face mask and I posted something on Facebook about like 2019 me OMG why do I have so many scarves 2020 me OMG thank god I have so many scarves have you guys been watching Emmerdale this week actually we did Tim bought you it's pretty good I didn't well that was fun sure I was too busy watching Winter Soldier and the new uh, Mighty Ducks show you're so cool I am Somehow, despite having half the content to talk about, we still managed to get 90 minutes about this week's episodes of Corey, although we did spend an awful lot of time talking about movies. The short-lived Corey Bath League started. I'm actually doing that again in the background. I just haven't told anybody. Tyrone's winning. Great. David's approximately halfway along the up curve of his self-destructive behaviour, looking for a square goal with anyone he bumps into, quite literally. Emma's mistrust of Seb and Alina forces her to make a decision on her current living arrangements. Chesney's willful ignorance of Gemma's postnatal depression continues while Bernie does her best for her daughter and Cathy gets all the credit. Ken's suspicions of Charles's running off Shady Acres grows. Yasmin's willingness to take Tim's dad's crap appears to have reached its maximum and it only took a fake heart attack, a password and a <clears throat> Vogel Mail's handy search function to get there because she found out about the escorts when he lied about booking that five-star hotel in oh, Alicante. Gail runs in and then out of Roy's rolls. Steve lets Tracy go outside with a bunch of white in her hair. Tim doesn't cut off his thumb. Lily fakes her own disappearance. Remember we had all those April Fool's jokes. Gail ran into the Roy's Rolls and told David that his car was on fire and then just ran back out again. They and, didn't do April he, Fool's this week, this they year. They didn't. <laughs> Thank goodness. Moment of the week was did Yasmin. You see, did you see Paddington Bears? Um, arse? No, <laughs> his April Fool's joke. No, I didn't see his arse either. He posted on Twitter that he doesn't like marmalade anymore. Isn't that the sweetest thing you've ever heard? Yeah, that's kind of sweet. They're doing a Paddington 3. Of course they are. But it's been confirmed it's in the works. Of course they are. You're very excited, aren't you? Well, the first two are perfect movies. Especially the second one. Yeah. It's kind of kind of the perfect ending, though, the second one, right? It's like when they did uh, Toy Story 4 after the perfect ending of Toy Story 3. Yeah. But there's more to Paddington than his uh, than his aunt. Well, yes. And marmalade. There wasn't more to Toy Story three than Andy, arguably. Mm. 
Anyway. Anyway, moment of the week was Yasmin announcing to Tim's dad that she was off to Spain without him. And her boring moment of the week was Roy's Romanian train chat. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Oh. Our first storyline today. Todd the prick. Ah. Uh, yep. No. It's too early to talk about this, isn't it? Uh, throw, throw the whole thing out. Throw it in the dumpster, then light it on fire. Todd has received a call from a mate offering him a job in Bromsgrove, and already I find this utterly unbelievable. Yeah. First, Todd has a mate, and second, he has skills that would mean that he's headhunted. Yeah. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Already. Then again, he's... You're quite talkative today, Timbot, you alright? Well, that was fun. Then again... What? Then again... He's very good at talking himself into things. Todd, that is. Mm-hmm. He tells Eileen that he's tempted to get away from all the bollocks going on with Billy, who says, who he says accused him of getting off with Paul, which isn't exactly what happened. No. All he's trying to do is be a good mate to both of them, which isn't true no. in the slightest. No. Paul, who used to work at the factory, but who now doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory getting around to emptying his locker, which gives Todd, who is actually at work today, the chance to quiz him. Paul is clearly uncomfortable sharing, but eventually reveals that he didn't get his hole. Jimmy was way too desperate, and he's not too sure that he's ready anyway, which is kind of what we thought last week. Yes. Billy's in Royals with Summer, fretting about what he said to Todd yesterday when Paul comes in and Billy starts quizzing him about his night out. Paul has to become increasingly rude as he tells Billy that this isn't any of his fucking business anymore. Right. And it's not Billy's job to worry about him. True. Later outside, Billy in his man bag apologises again to Todd, who says that he refuses to be ammo in anybody's fight here. <sighs> Billy admits that he still cares for Paul, but he's sure he did the right thing breaking up with him. <sighs> Todd offers his ear yet again if Billy wants to talk about it. <sighs> and after being at work for all of 15 minutes, Todd is now at home when Eileen comes in He's already had enough with this Billy stuff again. It's too painful, so he's accepted that job in Bromsgrove <laughs> and he begs his mum not to confront Billy or Paul about it. Ugh. But that's exactly what he wants to happen. Mm-hmm. And so that is what happens, Ugh. with Eileen choosing to reveal that Todd is leaving thanks to Billy. Billy and his man bag think this is ridiculous, but he'll speak to him later after a meeting with a bishop, which I think means having a wank. <laughs> I'm off to have a meeting with a bishop. <laughs> Give me five minutes. Four if nobody makes any noises. So after meeting with the bishop, <clears throat> Billy catches up with Todd. He thought they'd cleared the air and it wasn't a big deal. Why move away? No. Todd says that he'd be mad not to accept this offer. Don't leave on my account, says Billy. I like having you around. But, and Todd's end game seems to reach an end when he announces that he loves Billy, thinks that it's mutual, and it's up to Billy what happens next. <clears throat> so this is all that Todd has been working towards is this minute when he can say what what he feels that he couldn't say that at any point over the last few months mm-hmm. it's, it's just so awful uh-huh. uh huh but Billy sees right through it and you think thank god for that mm-hmm. that meeting with the bishop has really helped <laughs> he calls it typical all the conditions and caveats. Why the theatrics? Why not just say what you feel? Mm. And I'm actually cheering Billy at this point. Eh. How could Billy be in love with someone who continually runs? He's tired of rebuilding Summer who keeps switching heads. And at this, Summer <laughs> comes along, wanting to know if everything's okay. Explain it yourself, Billy says to Todd. 
So Todd takes Summer to Roy's roles, but she's far from happy, thinking quite correctly that he doesn't care about her. He blames it on Billy and how he made a move one night, and Todd knocked it back because he was a coward. Mm. But Summer's heard enough, and she leaves. Todd heads to the rovers where Paul is still fizzing about Billy. Todd says that Billy will always try to keep Paul within reaching distance. He does it with everyone, even him. But as soon as Billy doesn't need Paul anymore, he'll move on. It's like a shepherd thing. It's dark when he sees Paul in the street. Billy apologises. And Paul, with the shepherd thing going on in his head, says that he's seen Jimmy and will definitely get his hole off of him this time. (gasps) See ya. Paul leaves and Todd appears. Come back to mine, says the prick. And back at Islands, after some deliberation, he thought that they'd still had some talking to do together, but he still has feelings for Paul, and maybe Todd going away is best for everyone. Mm -hmm. Good luck in that. And Todd shits his pants. And later, Todd is still sitting in the dark when Eileen comes in and he explains his dastardly plan, playing everyone, manipulating everyone, and it didn't work. He doesn't know another way to live. He loves Billy, and all he's done is remind Billy that he loves Paul. You're a fucking idiot, says Eileen. (laughs) A mosky, says Todd. On Thursday... But on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Thursday, mm-hmm. he's still there saying his train isn't until the afternoon. Eileen does her best to talk him into staying. I could kill her. Saying that he shouldn't <laughs> run away from his problems, but he insists Billy is the love of his life and he can't bear seeing him every day if he doesn't feel the same way. <sighs> Meanwhile, Paul is in Roy's roles with Daniel because Paul lives with Daniel now. Mm-hmm. Let's remember. Mm-hmm. Paul's feeling rough as a badger's arse and at this mention in comes Billy and his man back who is thrilled to learn that Paul has been on two dates with the same guy two nights in the bounce and is now in love and going to get monogrammed towels with him in his mansion by the sea but not really Todd who currently works at the factory turns up at the factory to hand in his notes from working at the factory Sarah's disappointed the sales team needs him but she accepts his resignation her mood becomes more aggressive when she learns that he has no intention to work his leave period this is typical fucking Todd uh huh Summer comes round to Eileen's to say goodbye to Todd. He hates goodbye because he's such a prick and he doesn't want her to go to the station with him. If only Billy would tell you to stay, says Eileen. It might be enough to make me go to church. (laughs) Much later, Daniel is quizzing Paul, who should either be at work or removing a scale from his finger in another storyline about this new man. Paul admits that he hasn't seen Jimmy. It was all a ruse to prove to Billy that he's not moping around the house. Daniel is very slow in the uptake, but suggests that Billy probably feels the same way as he does, and he should probably talk to him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Billy has got home after avoiding Todd's depa- departure. Summer is bummed. She's going to miss Todd for some reason, and Billy is too. Summer encourages Billy to tell Todd how he feels, assuming that Paul will be fine about this. What a fucking turncoat Summer's turned out to be. Yeah. So Todd is loitering outside the tram station and waiting for someone to stop him leaving. Billy and his man bag are leaving the house looking like they're ready to do just that when he's intercepted by Paul who comes clean about not getting his hole off of Jimmy and saying that he still loves Billy and he thinks Billy loves him and Billy reminds him about that time he nearly killed Summer he doesn't know who Paul is anymore Billy's very comfortable in his high horse he doesn't trust Paul or his schemes to make him jealous and he and his man bag leave to stop Todd he doesn't think Todd should leave Todd thinks they want different things and he needs a dust to settle it's for the best Billy doesn't know what his head wants but his heart wants him to stay. Hmm. So Todd stays. Pig's tits. <sighs> Billy and Todd find Paul in the rovers and Billy tells Paul that he and Todd are together again. Ugh. The penny seems to drop for Paul who congratulates his Todd on playing a blinder to get what he wanted all along. Todd denies it, saying he has a new job lined up and everything. And yet, here you are, says Paul. You're a fucking moron, he tells Billy. The two of you deserve each other. And he works his way through it with Gemma. Todd has been whispering to him and Billy 
Gemma thinks it sounds like hard work, but Paul says it was easy. Now he thinks Todd set him up with Jimmy, which Gemma reckons is James Bond villain levels of evil. Gemma clearly hasn't seen the James Bond movie. <laughs> and back at the flat, Todd is pretending that she's stressed about Paul's comments. People only ever see the old Todd, he says. Billy admits to being a cheerleader of those types of people, but he's won Billy round. Now crack <sighs> open the wine and enough of this petty party. And meanwhile, outside, pished with a carryout, Paul looks up at the flat and see Todd look down and close the curtains on him. Ugh. On Friday, Summer is home to discover that Billy is back to get his hole off of Todd, <laughs> and she seems pretty chuffed about this, which Ugh. makes her complicit. Todd mm. is off to tell Eileen the good news, leaving Summer to feel sorry for Paul, but Billy says it's always been Todd and is insufferably gleeful. What an absolute prick. <sighs> And Todd is round to Eileen's been a prick and running through the last few bits of Thursday's episode with her. Now he has his man, all he needs to do is get his job back, but he reckons that he'll be able to sweet-talk Sarah, no problem. Eileen isn't so sure. And she's right not to be sure, because Sarah knocked him back and beat him in the nuts into the bargain by the sound of things. Okay. But jobs are ten a penny, he says. The important thing is getting back with Billy. And Mary is there doing Sudoku to hear all of this. <laughs> Eileen goes to see The Undertaker in his new digs. It's very beige. He offers her a tour, but she's good, thanks. He's due to open on Wednesday, but he's lost a key member of staff, so Eileen's cogs start running, and She'd she quickly heads out, couch. putting her mask over her eye. Later, Todd is all suited and booted and turns up with his CV for The Undertaker. Todd thinks the world and The Undertaker owes him a living, but The Undertaker hasn't got time to train anyone up, so thanks for your interest, and he goes off to deal with a plot device off camera, leaving Todd to prove how good he is at undertaking by being briefly nice to someone recently bereaved, all because The Undertaker hasn't got round to getting a closed sign. And that's as far as we get with that this week. I'm sorry, that storyline does not deserve a single word from me. Except, of course, for the Eileen and Undertaker part, because it was hilarious seeing her bounce up and down on that on that couch. A little bit of innuendo there for what's going to happen later between Eileen and the Undertaker, which is the only good thing to come out of that story. Hmm. I hate that story. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate what Billy has become. Billy is so stupid. <laughs> he knows... He forgives Todd for being underhanded and sneaky and condemns Paul for for just being human. For supposedly um, creating a ruse to make him jealous. What? what he was, that wasn't even what he was doing. What he was doing was convincing Billy that, that he was moved fine. on. Yeah. Billy's not worth it. Please. Please, let's put Daniel and Paul in a relationship. Ugh. Please, please. Because I like the two. I, I, I actually do like the two of them together. I think Daniel becomes more interesting by being friend and, and roommate to Paul. And, and being supportive of Paul. Because he's not really high minded and boring. And <laughs> he's better at talking to men than he is at talking to women. <laughs> He's right. always talking down to women, our Daniel is. So him being supportive of Paul is kind of a breath of fresh air. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that at all, but I'm quite happy. I, I didn't have a little skirmish, but I, I, I posted the gif of Billy looking gleeful mm -hmm. when he was talking to Summer. And it was like, oh, if, if it's not bad enough that we come close to getting mm -hmm. rid of Todd, that we have to put up with us fucking gleefulness as well right and someone's like oh well billy's such a monster just wanting to be happy and 
Cod's blah, blah, blah. not going to make him happy. I'm, I'm glad that, that uh, Paul and Billy have broken up and I hope they never get back together again. And I'm like, I, I actually agree with you. I hope they never get back together again either. Yeah. Yeah, because Billy's awful. He really is. And what? And it, for a supposed man of the cloth is just uh, terrible at reading people. Really? And terrible at, um, at being utterly conned. Right, seriously. All these times... All these times that 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 Todd's plots have backfired and for this to be the thing that works. And Summer, what happened to Summer? Why is she like all Team Todd now? Well, I've never been very happy with how that's been handled. Todd came back and she was fucking furious with him. For five minutes. For like five minutes and then the best buds again. Yeah, that was weird. I'll tell you something. The old summer wouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably the old, right. The old summer would have not entertained this prick one little bit. No. Poor Paul. Seriously, first, first he doesn't get justice in the whole Kel thing because Kel goes and kills himself mm-hmm. and doesn't doesn't get his day in court. He's still left to think that he's responsible for someone nearly dying. Right, yeah. When it's fucking Todd's fault. Right. When that is revealed, the egg that's going to be on Billy's face is just, it's going to be an omelette. And he's going and he's got to apologise for being so stupid and all this nonsense. And I hope Paul doesn't take him back. And Paul's definitely going to take him back. Uh, I hope not. <sighs> You know what I really hope doesn't happen? I hope we don't get the Billy and Todd wedding and like <laughs> during the wedding that kid bursts in and Well with his burner phone <laughs> that he managed to retrieve. And confesses the whole thing, like right as they're about ready to do their vows and it's a whole dramatic thing and then we don't get our first gay wedding. Well, I don't want Billy and Todd to be the first gay wedding. No. Fuck that shit. No. Fuck it for a month of Tuesdays. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. A month of Tuesdays. <laughs> Are you trying to think of what happens on Tuesdays? I, I, I don't know if I'm <laughs> trying to work out how I would feel about a month of Tuesdays. <laughs> Tuesdays aren't as bad as Mondays. Mm, no weekends on a month of Tuesdays. You'd just yeah. be working straight through for 30 days. My meetings always start an hour later on Tuesdays for some reason. So that's good. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Our next storyline today, which hopefully you're going to contribute more than me uh, to. I, I, I will Ron, not waste breath on Billy and Todd. I'm sorry. But then you do. I hate them. Run to the hills. Oh God, I hated this too, but I will speak on it. Because some good things came out of it, or one good thing came out of it. Okay. Oh, yeah. On Monday, Ed finds Michael filling in Ronnie on the status of Glory, who is definitely anemic. But not like that. No, she is anemic. Michael asks them both to visit at the The hospital. Filling in Ronnie. But Ed is busy and doesn't want Ronnie anywhere near. Ed knows his brother and knows how his mind works. You've been warned. And later, Ed is chatting to Aggie that lives in his phone now. Phone Aggie doesn't trust Ronnie and doesn't think that he should be alone with Michael. Ed is doing his best to make sure that that doesn't happen. 
Meanwhile, Ron is at the hospital quizzing a nurse about Glory's anemia and whether his sickle cell could be responsible. The nurse thinks this is Glory's granddad, and Ronnie lets her think that. But tough to take either way, she can't divulge anything to him. Speak to your son, she says. Fuck and next off. we see the nurse is telling Michael the news that it's not sickle cell. And when Ronnie comes in, she announces that, oh, here comes your granddad. There's some confusion until Ronnie says that he was just fishing for information and he's really Michael's uncle. Fucking whatever, says the nurse, and goes back to saving people's lives. <laughs> Michael, though, is still wondering why Ronnie thought that him carrying the gene could be relevant. What's going on? Oh, just forget it, says Ronnie. But Michael pushes it, and so Ronnie tells him that he might be his dad. Ronnie calls it a fling that he had with phone Aggie before she was with Ed. Ed comes along. You can't keep your fucking mouth shut, says Ed. Ronnie thinks the truth was important to come out. Michael's heard enough, and he sends a pair of them away. He's furious. And for some reason, throughout this week... The person he's the most furious at is his this mother. Is yep. We've been really getting set back this week on the Coronation Street between this and the other storyline that we will talk about later. Like, I think everybody beating on women. Sons don't like to think about their mum's having a little bit of how's your father with anybody other than their father. And even then, they don't want to think about that too much. I mean, my sons are fine with it, but that's because they have two different fathers. I would I would suggest that they don't spend an awful lot of time thinking about it. And then there's you. I would suggest that they spend even less time thinking about that. So I can kind of see why he's a little... Well, maybe not angry. Maybe it's taken a little bit too far. I can see him being a bit weirded out by thinking that he's mother was a, a sexual being who had more than one relationship other than just his dad. But yeah, he's taken it out on her far too much. Right, yeah. Not stopping to think, wait, Uncle Ronnie, you were married to someone else at the time. You're a real asshole. And also, why are you talking about this now? Why is this coming out now? Which, to be fair to Michael, he does eventually say that stuff but he's still more mm-hmm. angry at Aggie than anyone else and that just yeah the, if the, it, 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 it knocks Michael down a few pegs in my in my esteem Ed follows him in and Michael is very disappointed in Aggie she's still your mum and nothing has changed says Ed are you 100% <laughs> sure you're my dad asks Michael and when Ed can't answer Michael shouts goodbye Edison Michael tells Grace, who looks like... I was might- taken aback by that too. It's like, oofed. Yeah. He called his dad Edison. Not, not as, Calling him Ed would be bad enough, but calling him Edison. I know. Oofed. Oofed. You kiss your mother with that mouth? Mm. Not anymore. <laughs> Michael tells Grace, who looks like she might secretly think this is all quite funny. Michael, though, says that from now on, all he cares about is Grace and Glory and a wee bit of charity and maybe a dollop of dignity. Frankly, I'm just shocked that Ronnie's name isn't Tesla. Oh, Edison. Right. <laughs> it okay. Took a moment. <laughs> On Thursday, Michael comes home from the hospital and isn't in the mood for chatting with Ed about any of this. Ed doesn't think it's fair that he's taken it out on him, but Michael is even less interested in that opinion. And later, Ronnie turns up at the building site to talk to Ed, who still doesn't want to talk to him. Michael comes by and hears the two of them argue, Ed insisting that he's more of a father than Ronnie ever could be, 
because he only ever thinks about himself. Michael needs a word with Ed in private, so Ronnie fucks off. Either way, Ed is his dad, but he needs to know for sure who is his father. Ed is understanding of this situation, but he says, you're right, I will always be your dad. And there's an awful lot of talk by a number of people in this about, well, if you thought you might be a good father, you had multiple opportunities along the way, Ronnie, to knock somebody else up. Yeah, what's the deal Why did you never do so? Which makes me think that Ronnie's actually shooting blanks. Yeah. And that did cross my mind as well. doesn't want to admit it. Because I think the insinuation of him having a much younger new wife right. kind of is there to tell you that he has no problem whatsoever getting the ladies. Right. And if that's the case, and he could, you would think that just and by you would a lot think of if averages, he really wants to be a father, he could very easily impregnate said younger wife. Right. Who that mystery is still up in the air somewhere. Yeah. And the racism thing has kind of went away as well. I know. Remember? Remember the racism thing? I was like, surely this time, this time it's going to become a, a thing that we're going to look at in a little bit more detail. Right, yeah. I mean, There's going, going to be a complaint filed, you know? You'd think that they would at least, you know, Grace would just like offhandedly say that she's filed a complaint with with the grocery store about the way she was treated or something. Just not even... Anything that goes anywhere, just a comment. But no, not even a comment. Instead, she's just hobbling round about the hospital, up and down the wards, carrying that receipt in her hand, (laughs) telling complete strangers that she had it all along. I had this all along, you know. This receipt. Where could they find it? At home, Michael learns that James now knows about the whole parental thing. And after he heads off for training, Michael cracks open a laptop that has an M on it. Must be Maria's. <laughs> he orders a DNA kit and goes to tell Ronnie, but he doesn't want it broadcast. Ronnie is glad, but Michael's actually furious. He's humiliated. He can't wait to see Ronnie's face when it comes back negative. And what if it's positive, asks Ronnie. You'll still be a nobody to me, says Michael. This DNA test will be the last thing that they ever do together. Mm-hmm. But then that kind of seems to change between... Thursday and Friday's episodes Michael is dinging calls from Aggie Ed is worried about her being kept out of the loop but Michael didn't even know that there was a loop until recently and we learn that the DNA test thing has been cancelled he's not doing it anymore no he's told his father that it's been cancelled oh, he's right. lying to Ed see I just believe anything that Michael says protect Ed's I'm a fool for Michael feeling. <laughs> He's really doing the DNA test. Well, normally they would have a little close-up of Michael looking shifty at that point, did they? <laughs> I don't remember. I was terribly confused for the whole of Friday. What the fuck was all that for on, <laughs> on Thursday if they're not going to do it? Yeah, that was... That was I the, like a little DNA test, the, especially on the likes of... The Michael, the Michael and Jerry Ronnie Spring stuff, and stuff. Were really, was really good. Um, it's Maury Povich, isn't it, who says... Blah, 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 you are not, not the father. Yeah, that's Brother Maury. and sister. <laughs> oh, thank God, because we've been getting our hold of each other for ages. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, because Michael at first, you know, you can see Michael shift in that from kind of, well, it'll be good to find out 
and it'll be interesting. And then the more Ronnie talks and the more Michael realizes how selfish Ronnie is and mm-hmm. how conceited Ronnie is and how Ronnie is assuming an awful lot about what's going to happen once all of this happens. And once Michael realizes that Ronnie only cares about himself, mm-hmm. you can see the shift change in, in Michael's face and voice and attitude and everything. And that was really well acted. I yeah. really liked that scene in the back of the rovers. And yet Gemma doesn't seem to be bothered at all. Nobody in the rover <laughs> seems to hear all of this shouting. I do still like Ronnie. You can you can like a villain. He's a rogue. I wouldn't say he's a villain. He's a rogue. I just love him cutting about with that white jacket on. <laughs> just he... You don't... He doesn't creep up on anybody. Right? <laughs> no. You he's, see him coming. You see him coming and he's there to be noticed. Mm. I think it's a very... Um, it's, it's a... It's a statement. He's the Loki it's, of it's the kind, show. It's kind of clever the, the way that they do that. that, that he's, a, he's his own statement. He's Loki to Ed's Thor. <laughs> and no, that wouldn't get me into the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. <laughs> if the two of them were in... Wow, Ragnarok took a real turn, didn't it? <laughs> so, what's he doing? Yeah, Ed is the only dad that Michael wants. At the hospital, Michael sees Grace, has a Chromebook or something, and by a reaction to him seeing her, he knows that something's up. She admits to having a FaceTime with phone Aggie, and Michael sees this as a betrayal. Yeah, letting a grandmother see her grandchild. I'm such a bad person, says Grace. Go over yourself. Good on Grace. I love, I love she the Grace and Aggie. She had a little bit of spunk this week. <coughs> but not like that. No, a little bit earlier than that. <laughs> And I like the teaming up of Grace and Aggie, mm-hmm. you know, and them burying the hatchet in Ronnie's head. Love that. I'm still a little bit confused as to whether Grace and Michael are a thing. Because some of the ways that, that Michael was talking about you know, being, a, being a family together uh-huh. kind of suggests that there is. Right. But I don't think we've ever really come to any I, conclusion about I that. I think what's going to happen with the show is that they're going to try it again. They're going to be a couple for a little while. Mm-hmm. Well, Glory's a baby. And then eventually they'll realize that they're only staying together for the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll go their separate ways. Kind of like how this whole Fizz and Tyrone thing is headed. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're mentioning the girls way too often. In that. Way too <laughs> often. <laughs> Later, Michael is arguing with Aggie that lives on the phone. She had no right to go behind his back like that. Oh, fuck off. And phone Aggie says, Grace has been nothing but kind <laughs> and that she has a right to see her granddaughter and she's sorry if she made things worse. But Michael, he's not really moved by this. Yeah. That's as far as we get with that this week. Because he's an asshole. He's an asshole about I that. like Michael, but he's an asshole. He's being an asshole to his mother. He's putting all of, all of his frustration and hate about all of this. He's just projecting it onto his mother because it's easier to just project it onto your mother who is only living in the phone right now is that working for you Aggie living in the phone it is what it is it is it definitely is what it is and that is not working it is what it is if this is the way they have to do it right now oh it's definitely the way that they have to do it but it's losing so much 
of the kind of the emotional heft of it. It seems to be it. It worked better for me this week than it did last week. I don't know. I, I think maybe because we get like a close up of the phone when she's talking, as opposed to seeing her projected on the laptop over Ed's shoulder. Mm-hmm. It, it it was working better for me this week than it did the last time we had it. It kind of seemed like a few times ago that it was actually like a little special effect that they had to superimpose right. her onto the screen, but right. it actually looked like it was a FaceTime that was going on. Right, yeah. But she's still not there. Right. And again, if, if you're talking about presence for, for Ronnie, Aggie certainly has presence. Mm-hmm. And so it misses that. Yeah. It is what it is. I, you know... Did you see, was it Hollyoaks that tried to do like a lesbian kiss a few weeks ago with social distancing and superimposed? I did both, not see that. Both women's mouths on one another. Oh, no, deep fake. <laughs> and it looked really, really terrible. Anna Kendrick's in Hollyoaks now? <laughs> and she's a lesbian? What? <laughs> I did not see that. You know, it. It gives me appreciation for for what Corey is trying to do here, and you know I don't hate it. You know there 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 are things that they could be trying that I would hate. This is not one of them. Our next storyline today is Team Simon. Just a wee bit of this on Monday. Yeah, it wasn't very much. Nick and David are standing in the middle of the road having a wee chinwag about Leanne when Simon comes along apologising for losing his shit the other day, but everything's fine, just don't bother trying to see Leanne. And this bloke thing is nothing, and after upsetting the apple cart, Simon quickly shuffles away, leaving Nick to go. Make that face. Back at the flat, Simon admits that he told Nick about the France thing and how worried Nick is about uh, him and her. Leanne doesn't think it's safe for him to come round though. He needs to stay clear, so Simon promises to sort it. And by sorting it, Simon goes round to the factory and tells Nick that Leanne is really getting her hold off someone else, so she's moving on, and so Nick should really be moving on too. It's like, wow, he really took that he right. really took that needs to stay clear thing literally. Right. Yeah. So Nick is still reeling from this information when Natasha comes into the factory despite not currently having a contract of employment at the factory. Nick explains and Natasha, sniffing Nick's bobby perhaps, offers her ear even though she has a hot date tonight and he calls her a good friend. Uh oh. Simon is back at the flat and tells Leanne, Leanne that he told Nick the lie about the new boyfriend and she's initially put out by this but ends up thinking it's for the best, so whatever. That was not the reaction I was expecting from Leanne about that. Yeah. Outside the factory, Nick is still confused about the Leanne situation and explains this to a passing Natasha who has abandoned her date, apparently. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She again offers her ear. Uh-oh. Nick's already having a hard time thinking about moving in with his mum, so Natasha says that he can stay with her in her spare room permanently. What do you mean by permanently? <laughs> um, didn't didn't um, Natasha's date? He was a doctor, and he was called away for something. Is what she says to Nick. Oh, that trope. Mm. I don't think there was a hot date. You think you think Natasha and Paul are just sitting in a room together, <laughs> pretending to be on dates. Mm-hmm. They have a little check of their room. watches. <laughs> date room. For, all right, all right. Do you think it's been long enough? It's a safe room to be in that nobody's going to go in. There's no Wi-Fi, so nobody can get tracked down and. <laughs> 
Nick goes to see Leanne to make one last pitch for them when Leanne gets a text and Nick knows that something isn't right here. Tell me, how bad can it be? And Leanne warns him that he'll get hurt. Do you love me, he asks, and she doesn't answer. Now so Nick leaves. that he can dance. <laughs> what? Nick says, do you love me? <laughs> but this you is the, the, the musical me? version of Coronation Street. It's Coronation Street! <laughs> Exclamation With point. an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Corey! Exclamation point. Written by Trey Parker <laughs> and Matt Stone. He doesn't do any writing. He just sits there and laughs. Wearing a dress. Bill Hader's the same. No, Bill Hader's a good writer. He doesn't write on South Park, though. He's just there to laugh at the jokes. I think he used to actually he do He gets some a writing. credit he doesn't do any writing. I think he used to. But now he's done bigger and better things and he's he's a beloved comedic make, actor. Make bigger and better things in South Park? Yes. Wow. <laughs> like having an actual movie career and Saturday Night Live and stuff. Don't have to remind you of a little something called basketball. <laughs> mm. You really don't and have cannibal to. Cannibal the musical. I really, mm-hmm. You really don't have to remind me about these things. I'm scared to watch basketball again. Yeah. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life, but yeah, you thought the same thing about dodgeball. I, th- I never thought that was the funniest movie I'd ever seen. I thought it was funny, and um, didn't didn't really feel that well. <laughs> and uh, that other movie, that that Bill Murray movie, that you're like, no, 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 it'll be fine for the kids. Stripes. Yes. There's floof in it. I didn't know there was floof in it. That was all cut out. The edit that I saw. <laughs> Because, believe me, at the age that I saw Stripes, I would have remembered Floof. That bit would have been worn down in the VHS. This doesn't seem to play very well. It seems to get stuck at this bit. Uh-huh. Sure that bit was getting stuck at that bit. I'm sure it was just made like that. It's coincidence, Mum. It's just coincidence. So, so yeah, that's all we get. Your mum was a huge fan of Stripes. <laughs> she liked the boom shakalaka bit. That's what your mom was all about, humanizing the American industrial military so she ever conglomerate. About. <laughs> oh. oh, she had all that stock in Raytheon. How do you think I can afford this kind of lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Team Simon storyline for a week. Well, that was fun. It really was. It was, yeah. We made the Simon storyline fun. <laughs> By not talking about it. <laughs> Have you guys been watching Emmerdale this week? <laughs> no. It was good. No. You'd have loved it. Eh. Loved it. Mm. Benny and I are watching Lock and Key right now, and it's very good. We're loving that. So... Nick and Natasha then Is that going to become a thing? Do you know, I have been thinking of very little else Than asking you a question And then not giving you time to answer it And start talking about something else yeah, That's all I've been thinking about this week Totally, totally a dude <laughs> thing to do <laughs> but, So I'm used to it But the thing that I was going to You do it all the time Tell you about was I am conscious that I do do it Yeah, <clears throat> well then stop I'm trying to get better <laughs> 
I didn't do it there. I did think about it. You're not the worst person with a penis to do that to me ever. So it's good that I'm not the worst person with a penis. That's great. <laughs> it's a very low bar. <laughs> no, I was thinking about how right you were, or how maybe right you are uh-huh. about waiting for Leanne to die. <laughs> Because the more that I was thinking about it, the more I was like, well, with Oliver gone and she's losing Nick, where does that character go now? And it's almost like I can see that Leanne has come or is very much approaching the end of that character's lifespan. What else does she have to do? She's been in the show for for so long. Yeah. She's been involved in a whole host of of stuff. Some good, some not so good. Mm -hmm. Some uh, prostitution, some other things. Right. Kennels. Right. No? No. I'm thinking Maria. Maria. (laughs) So kennels is the only thing that Leanne has left to do. But but she doesn't have... No, because Kirk had to sell the kennels because he accidentally cut the balls off the wrong dog. She can set up her own kennels. With all this drugs money that she's making and all that stock that she had from the nineteen eighties. But where else does that character go? It feels like Medallin. it would be a, a, a time for her to Medallin. Mm-hmm. If they got rid of characters just because they, they didn't know where they were gonna go next, do you really think Bill Roach would still be on the show? Well sure. But what I'm really saying is you said something kind of flippant. Mm-hmm. last week or the week before about Leanne dying mm. and I think there might I wouldn't be surprised if there was something in that or Simon or both because you know Toya's got the whole fostering thing right so she's got and she's got this adorable relationship with Imran mm-hmm. which is just the best and and yeah and Leanne's like there are still people I'm, she worried, has, I'm worried for her there's still people she hasn't slept with on the street yet yeah but there's always going to be people that she hasn't slept with. I don't know. I just she, feel she's got like... a long way before she catches up with Maria. Right. <laughs> she's. Can Can you tell that I I read the Maria Wikipedia page last night? Oh, did you? Before going to bed. That's how I know about the whole Kirk Balls thing. I was impressed by that. Right. Yes. <laughs> Our next storyline today. Oh, the question that I was about to ask, and then the Nick and Natasha thing. Do you see that going anywhere? <laughs> are you gonna let me are you gonna let me respond this time are you going to respond because i can talk right <laughs> over you start talking about something else oh god um i don't know i can see it going somewhere but i can see it going kind of the michael grace tyrone fizz thing mm-hmm. where they get together because they both love sam so much and then something's going to happen. It, and either they're going to realize that they're only staying together for Sam's sake or something's going to happen where which changes the dynamics of Nick's relationship to Sam and then they break up. Yeah, it's kind of... Because remember, the whole Sam thing has always been kind of sus for you and I. We've always been like, this is kind of sus. Mm-hmm. Natasha's sus. She's going around the spaceship just killing people with her 
barbed tongue. And then just pretending to do some of the tasks. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> According to Stelly, Among Us isn't cool anymore. It isn't. Nobody's playing it anymore. <laughs> Which is why we're talking about <laughs> Which is why I downloaded it this week. Okay, look. She, and you know what she was doing when she was telling me that Among Us isn't cool anymore? She was playing Roblox. <laughs> that's because it's the only thing that's on that Mac. <laughs> That in Factorio. She can't play she Factorio can't, if I'm playing something right. on Right, and she can't play Factorio with her friends. Anyway. Which is the whole point of Roblox is playing with your friends. Yeah, and I, among I, us. I can see that um, the, the Nick and Natasha thing is a temporary thing while the... Because he thinks that Leanne isn't interested, but then when he finds out that she is, he'll go back to her because they're each other's lobster. It's what... We're watching them getting married on classic Corey at the moment. This is and this is this is this is the thing. You know, Todd and Carla can talk until they're blue in the face about somebody supposedly being the loves of their lives. Cause Todd did that this week. Mm-hmm. And just watching it, I was like, this just proves my point about people vocalizing you are the love of my life to people. It doesn't mean anything. It's what you say when you have nothing else. <laughs> right. Whereas Nick and Leanne truly are the loves of one another's lives. Neither one of them say it to each other because they don't have to. They right. just know it. That's true. They're like, yeah, this. <sighs> it's frustrating because you want them to be together. Yeah. But Nick's it, become too twiny. I think it's that's probably best to spend some time apart. See, as someone whose very first crush ever was Luke Skywalker, I'm really into whiny men. So I'm I have no problem with this. No next story link today. It's fostering Kelly. What does that say about you? I really don't want to examine that. <laughs> One little bit. On Monday, Toy and Imran are walking down the street. Imran waving his coffee around like he just doesn't Get care. Get the funniest looks from <laughs> everyone they meet. He's glad that Toy has hey, behind hey, the idea of fostering Kelly because he's worried that she was more into babies. Which is what I said a couple of weeks ago and got right. shot down for it. Yeah, Toya because feels it's true. Toya shoots him down for this. Toya feels for Kelly the chin <laughs> and sees similarities between her and herself when she first arrived in the street, which is... Fair enough. A nice little callback. Yes. The wheels of bureaucracy have never moved so swiftly as social services are confirmed that Kelly the Chin can move in with Imran and Toya on a temporary basis and Imran is ready to get her stuff with a proposal of a speed dial dinner to celebrate later. Fancy. And so that's what lots, they do. Lots of, lots, of, lots of meals at speed dial this week. Right. That place is just making money hand over fist right. during as, a as, pandemic. As opposed to the bistro. And everybody al- still shut. And everybody always sits... In that center mm-hmm. couch area. Or the, the the hive of infection, as I like to call it. <laughs> and that's what they do, and it's lovely until it comes out that Imran used to be a part owner of Speedal along with Zidane and Rana. Oh, your sister that died in that factory roof collapse thing, says Kelly. And when Kelly tries to apologise for putting her foot in it, Imran isn't interested in hearing. By being completely accurate, right. yes, that is the sister we're talking about. And later, Imran has calmed down and apologises for snapping. He tells Kelly the chin that she isn't Rick the chin, and the actions of her dad won't affect what he thinks about her. And this means an awful lot to Kelly, and she thanks him. And it's a lovely little scene. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get with that. More of this, please. Yeah. More wholesome fostering 
With Imran and Toya mm-hmm. and Kelly the Chin. It is fucking delightful. It is delightful. It, it, it's... And I'm looking forward to seeing what scrapes they get into next. <laughs> I want to see them go shopping. <laughs> Talking about boys. <laughs> go at the mall, which is the same as shopping. And talking about boys. <laughs> Nothing much to say about that, though, other than it was lovely. Yes. And it's a little reminder to the fact that... We still don't know. What, what went the on truth the is still not out. Right. How is this How is this possible that the truth is still not out about this? It's like how is, everyone's forgotten about it. How is this possible? Gary's already in prison. For something else. For something else. <laughs> Unrelated. It's unrelated. And Sarah, how are they? They need to find Rick the Chin's body. Because remember, Gary moved it, and we don't know where he moved well, it to. Well, we think he moved it. We don't know where he moved it to, though. Where on earth could that body be? And it's not in the bistro fridge because <laughs> Kev and Debbie would have found it. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. today. Is Asha's latest devastating storyline again. Ugh. On Monday, Asha goes home to get a biology book that she forgot and Dev asks her if she's happy. Well, that's a existential question just <laughs> out of nowhere, isn't it? <laughs> Nina that's Dev a, all over, though. He's, n- he's really into the existentialist. She just turned up for a biology book. Right. He's what reading ha- Camus at the moment. She turns up for a biology book. What happens when you die, says Dev. <laughs> Well, let's look at in the back of the index of this biology book and we'll read about it together, Dad. Nina made her happy and she blew it. Dave advised he's talking to her, but Asha is far too embarrassed about how it all kind of fell apart. But she goes to speak to Nina, who is pleased to see her and asks her not to be a stranger. Then ITV Corey comes along. He's twigged that Asha's no longer a lesbian and offers to take her mind off it. And for some reason, Asha accepts. I'm sorry. We have so many gay men on the show. Oh, no, that's again. We finally get two lesbians, only they're not really lesbians, they're bisexual. Or a little bi-curious. Right, yeah, which is fine. It's fine. The relationship barely lasts a week and now they're both back into boys. <sighs> what was the point? <laughs> just, can we just have like a lesbian couple move in? With a racist security guard. With a couple of cats. <laughs> anyway. Asha sticks to her word and goes to see Nina in the cafe. She's making preparations to cheat at Scrabble against Roy and have some light banter and syrup about that. Oh, that was funny. I like the whole, you know, the the plot to cheat right. at Scrabble. Yeah, they're still Roy. cute together, which makes me think that this is going to go back to... But they're just both good cute people right on thursday ash is with itv cory and royce rolls and he's already bored with how long she takes to drink her tea he gets a text acts shifty and goes to wait on her outside which allows nina to check to see that she's okay ash invites her to join them at the park later but as itv cory will be there nina passes but appreciates the offer in that itv cory looks horrible he looks even worse than he did the last time he showed up when he looked like you and mcgregor from Trainspot. right yeah now he looks, looks even like, worse looks like spud from Trainspot. <laughs> Roy notices that Nina is troubled by this, but urges caution. You know, you just need to know where your opinion is wanted and when it's not, and it's probably right, not wanted. Yeah, this. and things are still raw mm-hmm. and stuff, so just, yeah. So Nina's still in a foul mood when Seb comes in for three cheese rolls. 
he can tell that she's not smiling because her eyes look really angry. Are you angry at me? And when she learns that he's working on a building site in a nearby street, she blames him for polluting the air. We only have one planet. He tells her if she feels strongly about it, she should do something. Fuck you, she says. I will. <laughs> so later, Seb is stuck in his works van, held up in traffic on Victoria Street because, according to a passing David, a new cafe has opened up, which turns out to be Nina and Shona and some random that have set up tables and chairs in the middle of the street blocking traffic. That was kind of stupid. It was the dumbest thing ever because that just causes more pollution because cars standing with their engines running is more pollution than cars driving. Mm-hmm. This this doesn't this doesn't help her cause at all. I can't it's imagine just, who thought this was a great idea. Yeah, because Nina's too smart for this. This well, is our idea. I'm going to write this down and then we're going to film it. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure that that's what you want to do? Because I will write it. If you tell me to write it, I will write it. Yeah. No. You're sure? No. No. It's just a device to get her sure, of course it to is. talk to Seb. So Seb more. has bricks to deliver, but Nina credits him with the idea. And, and he's it, bricking it. And then Shona asks Seb what she can get him. That was quite funny. <laughs> that was, Shona was delightful in that. And that's the only time that we saw Shona this week. But he's not pleased and he threatens to call the cops. What are they going to arrest me for? Asks Nina. Awesome customer service. Roy appears out of nowhere. Willful <laughs> obstruction of the highway, says, and he tells Nina to stop this ill-conceived protest. Later, Seb comes back to reveal that he now has a new nickname from Ed to go with the one that they already gave to him because of his hair. And Nina and Shona try to guess what it was, and it turns out that they call him Rapunzel. Yeah, I really, really wish it had been My Little Pony. That was that was the best one of the bunch that mm-hmm. Shona suggested. I love that. He's planning to get it all cut off later, he says, so that they'll stop teasing them. And Nina advises that this won't stop them and they'll be betraying themselves. Instead of getting it cut, why don't you try conditioning it? Seb takes <laughs> Nina's advice and apologises for being a twat and she apologises for something, I don't know. And and we're all sad because we're all like, yeah, Seb's going to cut his hair. I was quite looking forward to seeing him. He looked with shorter hair, although you can kind of imagine it when he puts it in that stupid bun. He's about to leave when he turns on the charm, or as close as he can, and they share a moment when it turns out that they're both haunted by the lyrics of Cradle of Filth. It's just like Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) It's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a working knowledge of Cradle of Filth lyrics must be one of the whole of a goth, wrote Jane Austen. On Friday, and Roy rolls with Nina listening behind the counter, ITV Corey comes in, bragging to Asher that he's been taken on Weddy County's youth team. He thinks that Asha could be his wag and is keen to tell Big D about how the two of them are back together again. <sighs> ITB Corey's gone when Seb comes in, ordering an extra hot latte. <coughs> he ended in a flirt while Asha listens in, rolling her eyes. But outside, Asha does a good impression of being mature about things. She says that Seb and Nina look good together and he's clearly into her. And when Nina suggests that she might ask him out, Asha says that she has everything crossed for Nina. But as she walks away, she lets that expression slip. Yeah. And she has a good fortune to be just across the street when Nina is good to her word and asks Seb out if he wants to go and watch a couple of movies at hers later. And he's very much keen to do so. He calls her baby, but let's not hold it against him. Yeah, that was pretty off. <laughs> I hated Asha that. looks on like Rana. Crushed. <laughs> you need to stop that. Last one, I promise. <laughs> That's what you said the last time. I know. Later in the community garden, ITV Corey has got Nina... No, he hasn't got Nina anything. He's got Asha some flowers that just so happen to include her mum's favourite, 
Kirby Daisies. He calls himself the ultimate boyfriend oh. and wasn't getting back with him the best decision that she's ever made. Blech. Yeah, something like that, says Asher. Barf. Seb has gone to get some popcorn from Devs and he's disappointed to see that Seb and Nina are planning a movie night together. Nina remembers that she's an honorary Alahan for life and so flashes Dev a comforting and apologetic smile. At home, ITV Corey has been listening to Asha for ages and he still hasn't got his hole, so he wants that now. She looks like she's about to give him it just to shut him up when Dev comes home, none too pleased to see the slime ball back in his house. Right. Either leave through the door or the window, says Dev. And after he's gone, she says that nothing's going on between her and ITV Corey. They're just mates. Dev mentions Seb and Nina and Asha says that she knows and she's okay with it. But he's not about to start believing that. Mm. Movie night has been a wonderful success. Excellent. And Nina and Seb are going for a walk, enjoying the spring air, talking about poetry. Dev sees them and starts to give Nina a hard time for dumping Asha and rubbing her nose in it with Seb, which has pushed Asha back into the smelly arms of ITV Corey. Boo. Back home, Dev tells Asha that he doesn't blame her for any of this. He blames Nina, and he told her as much when he saw her, and Seb minding their own business earlier. Right, yeah. Asha is furious at the interference. He had no right, and she tells him that she and ITV Corey are back again after all, and she leaves to go and get her hole off of him. And that's as far as we get with that this week. It makes absolute no sense. Can they, can they not hire any other young men for the show? That Asha is just con- constantly going back to ITV Corey, who looks horrible and is a bad person, and she knows this. Mm-hmm. It's like every time, it's like, oh, good, Asha's grown up a little bit. She's become more mature. Things are looking better for her. And then she goes back to this douchebag over and over and over again. Also, no Addy this week. I protest. Yeah, what the fuck is that? What's wrong with you people? Addy needs to be in the show every week. I demand Saying it. Say something adorable. Right. Preferably to Mary. And, and solving crimes with Amy. Oh. What crime could he have solved this week? <sighs> he could have solved the crime of uh, Michael's parentage. Uh, or the crime of Todd. Oh. <sighs> Oh yes, that has to happen. Addie and Amy need to be the ones to find that phone. Mm -hmm. The the, the bins haven't been emptied in six months. Yeah, and they need to buy some Scooby snacks for Rover. That would be great. And buy a van. And Rufus, whoever that was, remember? (laughs) He's a Muppet. So, I think that's what they're doing with ITV Corey, that they make him look so ill, (sighs) is that he's just... He's a, the kind of embodiment of of badness. Either that or he actually is really ill and, and we're going sorry. to feel very bad about the fact that we keep talking about how ill he looks. Here I was like, fuck the trolls for picking on Jack P. Shepard. But seriously. The, tr- I, the trolls are us. <laughs> seriously. Mm-hmm. Such a bad character. He's pointless. He's just... And he's not even... An interesting baddie. You know? He's just kind of the embodiment of this snarky, well-off, white boy teenager. You know? I think he's a pretty good representation of high school boys at that age. That think the world revolves around them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's the future fat boy. But... 
we get those all the time. They're not interesting. They're not fun. No. They're kind of pointless. And this whole uh, football thing was just kind of invented out and over, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Yeah, it, it would have been more believable if he was like on a golf team or something, because we know he likes to golf. Mm-hmm. As opposed to all of a sudden he plays football. On the same team that James has played on. Or he's just been added to it. I don't know. Who knows? Oh, uh, Alina's just liked our uh, two-second smell feed of the week tweet. Yay. Yes, I can see that on my phone as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a little buzz. Literally, my phone, <coughs> my phone buzzed. My phone congratulated me for doing a wee last week. I was standing doing a wee and my phone buzzed and said, you did it. I was like, I know. I'm doing it just now. It was actually congratulating me for standing up, which I'm not sure is better be or better. worse. <laughs> you did it. You stood well, up from Well done, you lazy fat bastard. You stood up. Chair for once. Good for you. Maybe try walking next. <laughs> you're, you're a disgrace. Fucking disgrace. Well, it's better coming from the watch. <laughs> our next storyline today, our penultimate, no less. Uh, how do you feel about the whole Nina and Seb? Oh, I love it. And I don't know why. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I do. I love it. And it's because of Nina. I'm sure it's because of Nina. But when I saw that this was going to happen, and by saw it was going to happen, and... Uh, I didn't know this was going to happen, but you kind of see it coming, right? Right. Remember, we were the, the ones who rolls. we were the ones who called it out when, like, a month ago, when he was checking out her booty. Yeah. So I, I had no hopes for this whatsoever, but watching the two of them together, I was like, it "I'm works. sorry, I am loving this. It works." Nina is such a good character that she's made Seb interesting. How on earth did that happen? Cradle of filth. He's he's better with her, yeah, than he is. Doing anything else. So much better than he was with Faye or Emma and, or Alina. And it's not that he's changed himself too much because he's still doing that thing when he, right. he hunches himself up and he puts his hands together when he's trying to explain something. He talks with his hands clasped together. He's still doing that, which I've always found annoying. But now it's like, you know what? I'm going to let him off for that. <laughs> the two of them together. I don't know if it's going to have any legs or whatever, but especially coming after the um, the Asha thing, right? That was so adorable, so briefly, mm-hmm. such a a, um, a a short-lived glimmering mm-hmm. star of a storyline, right? To be disappointed that that didn't become a thing, and then to see this, I thought there's no chance in the world I'm going to like this. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think the two of them together are, are it are makes great. sense. They're great together. It makes sense. And they kind of have better chemistry than Nina and Asha did. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it out loud. Because it's true. The whole Nina and Asha thing. It always kind of felt a little forced. And a little weird. I don't know. I think Asha always was very much the younger of the two. Right. Which is one of the things that made it weird. This feels more equal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, thank you for reminding me of that because that was pretty much my highlight. Just, right. I just loved that. Yeah. Our penultimate storyline today, Faye on trial. 
On Thursday, it's Faye's day in court for twatting Adam over the head and she's worried, but PC Tinker is there to put her mind at ease and explain that Ray Weinstein has been charged with sexual assault and if he pleads guilty, it'll do her case the world Speaking of good. Speaking of relationships with Faye that just don't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess Ray Weinstein isn't going to plead guilty then. So Faye gets home, she has two weeks to wait before sentencing. Tim thinks it's all very positive and so long as Ray p- pleads guilty, she might go off with just a year in jail. Faye fails to see this as a positive, but she did twat Adam over the head, so, you know. Yeah, I know. It's it's like she's all upset that she might go to jail for committing a crime that she absolutely committed. I like this scene, though. Sally and Abby take Faye to Speeddale to give her advice on getting sent down for a stretch. Jailbirds United, I think Sally says, or (laughs) one of them says. Faye points out that Abby was a junkie and Sally was innocent, but she's guilty as fuck and it's all her own fault. Right. Then in comes PC Tinker in plain clothes, who apologises for not making it to the hearing. Why did he not make it to the hearing? I don't think we ever find out. Faye rushes off, leaving Craig to wonder if it's about him. <laughs> because everything's about you, Craig. It is. He's On- lambing right now. He's at his, his family's farm, helping with the lambing. I, I worry about those lambs. <laughs> not because of that. Just... <laughs> I just don't... I'm not sure I trust either Craig or Coulson to deliver lambs successfully. His sister is a veterinarian and he grew up on a farm. He knows how to milk a cow. It'll be fine. On Friday, a somewhat buoyant Craig is wearing a shirt with why on it. (laughs) And he goes to see Faye to apologising for missing her hearing thing yesterday and to take her out for the day. I took a screenshot of this and sent it to you saying, my thoughts thoughts exactly. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? But Faye's Why are already, these two characters together? Faye's already made plans to see Gary and her reluctance to see him afterwards because she's not in the mood really puts his nose out of joint and he storms off. At Her Majesty's Pool Hall, Faye is explaining to Gary about her meeting with Sally Nabby and he hopes that she paid attention to their advice and then asks how things are going with Craig, which seemed an odd thing for Gary to ask about. She says that she's keeping him at arm's length because... Ginger's it's not, united. Because it's not, right, because it's not fair to keep him waiting for a year. Like Craig's got anything better to do? Gary says it's because she'll be going away for a year that she should keep him close. And no one understands the logic of that. And then she quotes the the musical Rent. Was that what that was? I didn't understand that or your text about it. Right. 525,600 minutes. How do you measure the time of a year? How about... Love. We'll get a copyright strike. How for about that. <laughs> you sent that text saying rent? So when did Faye get into rent? Uh, and that is what you wrote. Uh, but what I read that as was since when did Faye get into stomp? <laughs> I thought, what on earth are you talking about? But I still don't understand. But at least I know it's not stomp. <laughs> no, it's it's a. That's how I know how many how, how many minutes make up a year. I, I now get it. Because of musical rent. Back home, Faye's invited Craig round. He thinks he's about to get dumped and so thanks her for all the super fun times they've had together. Like that time like, that they... I've got nothing. <laughs> no, and neither, then when they... I. That... I... Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was Faye's plan, but now she's been rumbled, she has to think on her feet, and she claims that it's not fair to keep him hang- hanging on for a year. He says that he didn't have anything else planned anyway, <laughs> and that he loves her. 
And then he apologizes Why? for telling her that he loves her. Why? And then she says that she loves him too. How? <laughs> These two people do not love one another. They barely know each other. These two people do not Craig love one another. Keith. There no. is no chemistry between these two characters there's no reason except for their age and the fact that Faye has run through all of the young men of the street which is just Seb she uh, didn't 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 he save her or something who knows <laughs> I think he saved her or something so oh yeah from so she was no on. no because it was Gary who saved her from Ray Weinstein there's a reason they're together. It doesn't work. They have zero chemistry. There's no point in them to be together. Please, as much as I beg for other relationships to stay intact, I want this one to end because it's pointless and it makes no sense. And it's like the just... show realizes that by drawing <laughs> attention to it, by putting him in a sweater that says why. <laughs> On the back, does it have, is this happening? <laughs> Why Just not? have them spinning round like Sally in her wedding dress. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? <laughs> it's so bad. It's just... It's so pointless. I don't know if anybody's sitting at home just clapping their hands together at their nose that uh, that this, no, is, this is nobody, a thing. Nobody's sitting watching this going, aw, they love each other. There's no Cray stands, no. I don't think. No. Cray. Fig. Frig. That works better. Frig. It's like a, a, that director, Feige. Frig. Frig. Mm. Sounds like a, a, a lesser known Norse god. I, I got what Stan means. I think that was last week or the week before. And I what? finally figured out what that meant and where it comes from. Really? It took you this long? Yeah. I was like, why is it Stan? Does it, is it because it rhymes with fan? No, it's That's from an M&M M&M song. Right. Which is which is weird and kind of creepy because that song is about like a fan that goes kind of crazy and mental and tries to kill him. Yeah, obsessive. Yeah, really, really obsessive. Yeah, and yet people call themselves this. Yeah, I think it's ironic. Our last storyline <laughs> today as well. I guess this is a thing now. On Thursday, Maria bumps into Tyrone and Roy's roles. She's spoken to Kirk and is now of the opinion that he's madly in love with Alina. He's punching above his weight here, but as a mate, if he's really wanting to make a go of it with his, he needs to get the Romanian popping pixie out of his head. Maria decides to shove her nose in further when she drops in to see Emma, but it's really to be an intimidating cow to Alina. Alina explains that she doesn't have all her products organised, but Maria insists on getting a nail pampering thing later. Emma is excited skin for Alina, pampering. who does a two-second smile a, fade. It's a skin consultation, that because she doesn't have the stuff all for the, the nails. It really sure does. enough, during the beauty session, Maria tries to give Alina a hard time about Tyrone, who she points out isn't over her. Alina has apologised and isn't responsible for what goes on inside Tyrone's head. And that's absolutely true. Ain't that the truth? <sighs> I don't think Tyrone's responsible for what goes on inside Tyrone's head. Well, he's more responsible than Alina is. Maria suggests that she tries harder to avoid him. Alina points out Maria's hypocrisy that she's done the dirty with Tyrone too and when Maria tries to threaten Alina Alina points out that she's not intimidated in the slightest. She's been in- intimidated by much worse situations th- than, than this. this. Now fuck off out my flat she says but in Romanian. 
On Friday, Tyrone is keen for a family day out to the Red Wreck, but Fizz has got her housekeeping head on and isn't keen. It'll be no fun without you, says Ty generously. But Fizz <laughs> says if he wants fun, maybe he should try you-know-who. Voldemort? <laughs> Ty is sorry, and Fizz knows he is, but it changes nothing. When Chesney comes over later, Fizz is still cleaning and she explains that she can't pretend to do happy families with Tyrone and the girls as she's the injured party and all this. She still loves Tyrone, but he's ruined everything by kissing Alina that one time. And she's the injured party. Chesney worries that if she doesn't watch out, he'll end up kissing her again, and maybe worse. There's only so much apologising a bloke is willing to do. Ty gets back and, Ain't Ches- that the truth? and Chesney informs him that Fizz is waiting for him at Speeddal and he and Gemma are going to look after the girls. Ty is shocked when he works out that this means that Chesney's going to be in charge of seven kids. But Ches doesn't understand why he isn't biting his hand off for this offer of free childcare. And Tyrone delays it further by nipping off for a shower first. Mm. And when he finally gets to Speeddal, he finds Fizz has her hair down. He thinks that she's looking pretty, but she dismisses the compliment and orders some drinks. So later the chat is about the kids and it's awkward and forced until Fizz asks what was going through his mind just before he kissed Alina. Did she feature in it at all? Did he plan it? And he insists not. A moment of madness he calls it. And he's reluctant to say anything that'll be held over him for the next 40 years. Fizz says that she's struggling to think about the next 40 minutes. You and me both, says Ty. And that kind of took Fizz by surprise, I thought. Oh yeah. Hours later, they're still at speed dial and they're still looking at the menus. And she keeps on picking at the scab. Does she make you laugh? And he seems to think that she does. And I'm trying, it's not funny. They, they did have a couple of laughs together. And, and about cars. Every time she points out something where she feels inferior to Alina, Tyrone tries to point out something positive, which makes Fizz dismissive. Dessert asks a somewhat hopeful Tyrone. Fizz just wants the bill. Yeah. And they seem to be making a bit of progress, actually, when they talk about their little gang of four, but all too quick, Fizz wants to know if he thinks of her when they're in bed together, and Ty has had enough goading. The only way this is going to work... And by her, she means Alina. Right. Because that would be weird. Right. The only way this is going to work is if they both want it. He refuses to walk on eggshells for the rest of his life, and so the ball is in her court, and he pays the bill and leaves. He gets home to find Chesney there. Chesney's claiming that Ruby wanted a doll, so that's why he came round and is in their house, but he's probably stealing money from them. <laughs> Thanks for that, says Ty sarcastically. Next time you fancy it in that fear and sit on your hands. And the next time you fancy getting your hold of a Romanian bombshell, try having a wank, says Chesney. And he storms off in a huff. Tyrone and Fizzy's money literally falling out of his arse pocket as he goes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fizz has gone to Roy's rolls. Maria comes in and Fizz fancies a new look. Maria thinks a sudden urge for reinvention is down to Tyrone. What's he done now, she asks. And Fizz thinks that Lots he's... Lots of people trying to cut their hair right. this week. Fizz thinks he's really trying, but she can't get over it, and any pleasantness is done out of guilt. She worries she's been taking him for granted, and Maria calls bullshit on that. Tyrone is an idiot, like all men. Alina is really the one to blame in all this, she says, and she's lost. Fizz is a winner. <clears throat> what has she won? <laughs> this set what? of steak knives. What? <laughs> That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Ah! The chat with Maria seems to bolster Fizz, but the good work is quickly undone when on her way home she sees Alina down on the other end of the street sniffing flowers with a rainbow over her head and bunny rabbits hopping around <laughs> her feet. <laughs> then Kev runs into Tyrone at the pub. He doesn't think women forgive easy and the next time that he puts a foot wrong it'll all be cast up. You're never 100% forgiven. Thanks for that, says Tyrone. 
and he leaves. And Kev should know. Right. When Fizz gets up, yeah, and Tyrone points that out. And yeah. Kev's like, well, I was, I thought we were over that. Well, stop saying things that allow me to say things and return to you then, Kev. Right. Yeah, idiot. When Fizz gets home, Tyrone is making sausage casserole because he didn't eat enough at Speed Dal. Fizz apologises for before. She wants this to work, but if it's going to work... Well, that was lunch. This is dinner. He's going to have to do something for her first. And that something is that he has to go and see Alina. <laughs> but he's checking to see if she's okay, and if he could change any of this that he would, but he has to put his family first. But they can't put the past behind them with her just over the street. Oh, and he asks Christ her to sake. move away. Quite rightly... Cheeky! Quite rightly, she tells him to go suck a bag of dicks. <laughs> if I'm such a problem, you fucking move. And she slams the door in his face. So he goes home and he lies to Fizz, saying that Lena is considering moving away. <laughs> well, that's promising, what? says Fizz. Then Chesney comes in through the back door, uninvited <laughs> and unannounced, asking if the girls can sleep over. Tyrone apologises for biting Chesney's head off earlier and reveals that they're all planning a wee breakaway as a family. We'll have a great time, says Fizz. We'll put all this behind us, she says. How lovely, says Tyrone. And neither one of them believe it. Neither one of them look happy in the slightest. And that's how we end this week's episodes. The fucking hypocrisy just oozing out of the storyline. This is a soap opera. Shit like this happens all the time and nobody moves away. Why Why is it when it's this immigrant with a funny accent that we have to move her away in order to get over it? Right. Maria and Fizz teaming up together makes absolutely fucking no sense (laughs) does fizz not remember maria pretending to be that other lady in jail trying to get tyrone back and and threatening fizz and all the other stuff that's happened in this well nobody has memories for those sort of (laughs) things so except except somehow alina who wasn't even there Mm -hmm. alina brings it up Alina brings up the fact that Maria has tried to steal Tyrone from Fizz. Maybe she looked up from Wikipedia as well. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't put it past her. This whole, yet again, we're blaming women for everything that goes wrong. It's Alina's fault that Tyrone is bored in his relationship and looking for greener pastures. Mm-hmm. It's also Fizz's fault that Tyrone is bored and looking for greener pastures. Well, she's they're bored forcing, too. Yeah, they're forcing, you know, everybody's trying to make Fizz feel guilty for being upset about this. Are they? Well, Chesney, fucking with his whole, well, if you don't forgive him, he's gonna, he's gonna do it again. Even though that's true. That's true though, right? <laughs> Even though that's true, that's not Fizz's problem. Fizz should not have to feel forced into forgiving Tyrone for what Tyrone did to Fizz. And Alina should not... Again, Alina is younger. She's been through a lot of trauma in her life. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, a free agent. She got fixated. She had this little crush on Tyrone who could have very easily knocked it back, but he never did. No. And just let it grow and let it grow with the whole car thing and the whole owl thing and the whole spreadsheet thing. 
Because that's how it happens. It starts with spreadsheets. It starts with spreadsheets. <laughs> that's how you and I started. And then it moves on to databases and <laughs> there's no going back after that. Yeah. Before you know it, you have a podcast. <laughs> and three. then you have four. And you really want to start a fifth one, but you're not sure you have enough time. <clears throat> oh, it just, it, it really... Or someone else that you can it, convince to watch Emmerdale. <laughs> apart from a fictitious robot that lives in... Maybe maybe Nick or Benny will do it with you. Um, But it's just, you know, the storyline could be so very interesting. And they've touched a little bit on how it's interesting and how this is kind of how lots of people are feeling right now in their relationships and everything. So it could be something really good and really interesting. And instead, they've decided to just fall back on boring old tropes of blaming women for men being stupid and oh well sure and and putting people together that just don't make sense as allies like maria and fizz it's just well i mean you've got the whole kevin uh, Tyrone thing working together when they fucking hated each other for, for right. ages. And see, this is the thing, and and yet, and now Kev's his best man, and and no, yet he's Kev's best man, right? And yet now, the solution is force this poor girl to move off the street. Like that's going to solve anything. It's not because Fizz is going to be thinking that the next time it's that meme. Right. It's the meme of the guy turning around, right. looking at the girl. What, every right. time that happens, that's what Fizz is going to be thinking right. about. So this isn't solving anything. No. It's, really make, it's just punishing Alina. Yeah. And he might as well have got his hole of her. Right. Seriously, at this point. He might as well have. It was one kiss. I was kind of hating this, obviously. Right. And hating that this is the way that it was going to go. Uh-huh. But because of the way it's been done i don't think i care anymore if fizz and tyrone break up i don't think i care no no i don't i don't either in fact i'm kind of hoping that they do because it's just so painful to watch them try to stay together mm-hmm. and hurt other people in the process it's it's they have this whole scorched earth mentality or fizz has this whole scorched earth mentality that we just have to burn it all to the ground mm-hmm. and and rebuild which is really unfair because you know deep down looking at fizz that's not what she wants yeah oh well oh well that was coronation street this week uh, you know what you know what we need german techno we need maureen lipman oh god to come back to the street i was thinking exactly the same thing we need evelyn in here to set everybody right and to tell everybody to stop being so fucking awful to one another. And stupid. And stupid. Now, she's she's still there, though, right? Or is she away somewhere? Oh, she's away she's with that James. She's on that train she's away with, with her James. little friend James. Because otherwise, Evelyn would have this sorted out in an instant. Right, yeah. For good or for bad. Right. One way or the other, right. it would be sorted out. She'd force the issue. Right. And either they get back together again or they don't. And she'd be blunt. To everyone, 
to the point where it's almost cruel. She would be in the room when Fizz says, you have to go and ask Alina to move away. And Evelyn would say, no, you're not going to fucking do that, Tyrone. Don't be an asshole. Fizz, what the fuck are you thinking? Mm-hmm. But in Romania, if you really need to be, if you really want to be together, y'all got to fix this between the two of you. Mm-hmm. This really has nothing to do. And I said this last week. It's gotten to a point where it's not really about Alina. No, it's not. And if they focused on it, if they focused on the fact that it's not really about Alina, it would be a much more interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. But because they keep trying to force it to be about Alina and painting Alina in the a certain way. Woman. Well, the ca- this is the weird thing about this. The characters in the show are all painting Alina as the Scarlet Woman. But every shot we see of Alina, like you were talking about her smelling the flowers and stuff, yeah, makes her look like this possible. sweet, right. innocent, you know, she's the anti-Cory. She's the anti-ITV Cory. Right. You know, Cory keeps looking worse and worse and worse the more evil he gets. Mm-hmm. And Alina keeps getting more and more and more sweet and pure looking. And they talk about her like she's... She's a very pretty young woman. Yep. But they talk about her like she's freaking... Crystal Carrington from... <laughs> or Sybil Shepherd from Moonlighting. Or someone this century. I'm trying to Susanna think... Susanna Hoffs. Someone from this century. <laughs> I'm trying to think... Who's like somebody who everybody just universally thinks is the most gorgeous woman? Kate Blanchett? I hate her, though. Mm. I have no references from this century. <laughs> I was about to suggest Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> well, and again, you know, I mean... Or but, Marilyn Monroe. But the, the fact remains is that they're Cindy all lasting like nobody could ever... Resist the lure of Alina. Like all men are on the table for Alina. You gotta, you gotta watch your men around that Alina. She's gonna steal all your men. Do you know who Alina is? Who? Alina is Maria. Twenty years ago. Right there, you go. There you go. When they took her from like this kind of dowdy kennel girl mm-hmm. to sex on the streets. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, she's the new Maria. Yep. Which is why old Maria feels threatened by her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oof, that took us an hour and 20 minutes to figure out. <laughs> Your moment of the week. Hmm. Michael telling Ronnie to fuck off. That was pretty good. I'd really like to toy and them run stuff. Chatting about Kayla the Champ. And then Toya's misspent youth. Basically the scene that we had that's the empty cup award thing. I liked that, but it didn't really, it didn't make me go oofed, you know? I don't think anything made me go oofed this week. The Michael thing made me go It didn't make me go oofed. As Is a, it the bit where Imran says to Kelly the chin, you're not your dad? Yes, yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's our moment of the week. Absolutely. That is our moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Your moment of the week. Billy and Todd trying to open a wine bottle. But not like that. <laughs> sure. That is our 
for a moment <laughs> of the week. Yeah, I'm still angry at that. <laughs> if you've ever used a cradle of filth lyric as a chart line, we'd be interested to know the line and a measurement of how unsuccessful that was. We either talk to the street at gmail.com, which is also our address on Skype for voicemail on the PayPal if you want to chuck a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar. We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links to which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page of the talkstreet.podbean.com. We've got a couple more subscribers on the YouTube channel, which is nice. Oh, nice. We're at eight. <laughs> if we get to 100, I can change the name from just random letters and numbers into something like Corey Podcast. So please subscribe. What? You need 100 subscribers on YouTube to change the channel id oh okay well maybe that will happen because uh the actress who plays alina just retweeted our five second fade two second two second Fa- smile fade it's like you don't even read my tweets <laughs> and, 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 she, and she retweeted it with a little heart oh lovely. or if you're so inclined please leave a rating and a review on the itunes or on your podcast provider of choice thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more talk of the street street. cheerio bye